Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. There seems to be an app for just about anything you need or want. If you can think of it, there's probably an app for it. There's some weird apps I've discovered. There's a melon meter app. Your phone microphone measures and analyzes the sound made when you thump the watermelon to see if it's ripe enough. There's a gym shamer app. This tracking app will send a heavy dose of shame to your social media if you slack off on your workouts. Or iNap at Work app. This app works good for cubicle setting. It makes office sounds while you nap, like stapling and typing and shuffling paper. While our focus today is mothers, in honor of Mother's Day, a few apps available for moms today are Kids Eat Free app. Instantly find kids-free eat restaurants near you. Or Chorma for chores. This is a fun and easy app to organize chores for your kids. Or an out-of-milk app, a grocery and to-do list. This one was hard to believe, a mama bear app. Enjoy peace of mind parenting with the all-in-one family safety and communication app. This app will give you 24-7 display of your child's social media activity, video history, received and sent text messages, constant physical location, customizable safe place arrival and departure notifications, panic button alerts with instant location and one-touch dial, and driving speed. Whether they're driving or a passenger, right on your mobile device. Or there's one continuous care app managing your family's health data and medical records. This one was really shocking. Sit or squat app by Charmin. <laughs> Need to go on the go? Sit or squat by Charmin <clears throat> can help you find public restrooms near you or where you're traveling. Install, sit, or squat, and search, view, rate, and add public restrooms to help you and your family and others enjoy the go on the go. But now that my children are older and we have an empty nest, I can look back and wish there were a few apps available to us. Maybe I'm talking to younger mothers on what I needed to hear as a young mom. But I think there should be an app for mothers on how to pause. I've been guilty of this, and I've heard a lot of mothers say, I can't wait for her to be able to sit up on her own, or I can't wait for him to start walking or talking or go to school or start driving. We can constantly wish for the next phase of life in our children's lives or even our own lives and miss this beautiful season that we're in at the moment. I would love to have an app to push pause and stop time for just a moment to bask in what is happening around me right now. A wonderful feature of a remote control is to be able to press the pause button, look at the TV screen, and see everything very clearly and slowly and really take it all in. Some of us would like to press the rewind or the, pass, or the fast forward button, but I'm talking about being present in the here and now. We miss today's looking for tomorrow's. You may be like me where I know my time is with my aging mother is dwindling, and I want to take in each moment I have with her and savor it, enjoy it. 
I want to slow my life down and let some things go that I think must be done and sit with her, talk with her, and just be with her. Enjoy the present moment. Yes, this moment, the one right before your eyes. I can remember when my girls were, were small and would be wanting my attention while sitting in my lap. And if I was carrying on a conversation with someone, they would take my face in their little hands and get close to my face and say, Mama, Mama. That moment and action would jolt me out of my preoccupied state into staring into those beautiful eyes, focusing on them, whatever they wanted to tell me. That's becoming present. Yes, the potty training stage is stressful, but the joy we derive from our, the playful nature of our preschoolers at this time is priceless. And yes, the middle school years can be precarious time for our children. The time that we invest in building their self-esteem will likely be fondly remembered in later years. As we enter adulthood, we're told to seize the day, grab life by the horns, make things happen. Don't let grass grow under your feet. Get out there, ride the bull of life, grab it with both hands. All this is great advice, but exhausting too. Then you hear the advice, stop and smell the roses. And you can start to get confused on what to do. Ariana Huffington said, life is part making things happen and part letting things happen. A reminder that sometimes you just have to enjoy life and let the seeds you've planted circle back to you. We must make the most of each day, whatever that means at the moment. Ladies, your house will always need cleaning. Your laundry will always need to be done. Your to-do list will always be there. But your children, husband, parents, friends will not. Force yourself to stop and pause. If I had to... If I had my child to raise over again, I'd finger paint more and point the finger less. I'd do less correcting and more connecting. I'd take my eyes off my watch and watch with my eyes. I would care to know less and know to care more. I'd take more hikes and fly more kites. I'd stop playing serious and seriously play. I'd run through fields and gaze at more stars. I'd do more hugging and less tugging. I would be firm less often and affirm much more. I would build self-esteem first and the house later. I'd teach less about the love of power and more about the power of love. It matters not whether my child is big or small. From this day forth, I'll cherish it all. Secondly, I think there should be an app for mothers on instilling morals and character in your children. Teaching morals to our children is so important. It's tougher now with the technology age we live in. Even so, it's our God-called duty to try to instill good character into our kids. God's entrusted these beautiful little people into our hands to put morals and character into them, make them good, solid citizens in this world. It's our responsibility, not cartoons on TV, not daycare, not the school or the church. They can help reinforce them, but it's our job as parents to do this. And we have to be intentional about it. What's the most natural way to assert moral influence? Spend time, real, unplugged, face-to-face time with kids. Psychologists cite a decline in family time as a big reason for a poor moral atmosphere. The University of Missouri human development scientists reported that wireless technology is harming family relationships as people spend more time plugged into a device and less time connecting with each other. 
According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, kids' media use has increased more than 20% in the past five years. Kids ages 8 to 18 spend more than 53 hours per week, seven and a half hours per day using entertainment media. With fewer high-quality face-to-face interactions, kids don't have the chance to learn, build, and practice moral ethics. You can't learn empathy or kindness or goodness from a screen. Children have inborn temperaments. Some are more passive and calm, others more active and aggressive. But none are born with a built-in set of rules for how to behave in society. Manners, morals, and ethics must be taught, and it's the responsibility of us parents to do so. Learning right from wrong must start early and continue through the teen years. Setting firm limits is essential to moral development, especially as children enter the terrible twos, and then again during adolescence. These are the phases of development when limits are most often tested. Let's talk about honesty. One of the best ways to have honest and truthful children is for, guess what? You. You to model that. It's amazing, isn't it? Teach honesty by being honest. Teach truthfulness by telling the truth. Just as you sense when your child is lying, they can often read your untruths. If your child sees your life littered with little white lies, he learns this is an acceptable way to avoid consequences. You may be surprised to learn the lessons in lying that your child witnesses in your daily living. Consider how we can distort the truth. Tell them I'm not here is a way to get rid of a pesky phone call. You rationalize that this isn't really a lie or just a little white lie, but this is big to a child. Don't tell your child something is gone when it really isn't just to make it easier for you to say he can't have any more. You can't fool your child for long. You just lied to him and he'll know that. Just say no more for now and expect your child to accept that. When you call in sick and you really aren't, you're teaching dishonesty. It's our obligation to be a model for our children. We're their very first teacher. Be the person you want your child to be. I remember years ago when my girls were small and we were shopping at Michael's craft store and I was shopping, and Cassidy got in, interested in a bin of little plastic rings and was playing with them. I made my purchases. We left, got in the car. I'm buckling them in, and her little fist is like this. And I asked her what was in it. She didn't tell me, but I could tell the guilt was all over the face. I pried her little fingers open, and there was one of those little rings. It was a hassle. It was trouble. But I knew right here was a teachable moment. We got out of the car, went back in. Of course, she was crying and embarrassed. Explained to the shocked clerk who was looking at me like I was crazy for bringing in a 10-cent ring. But it was the principle. It was the morals, the character, trying to start young. Keep your word if you want them to keep yours. Be consistent. Be a promise keeper. Follow through on promises or don't make them. We use the golden rule a lot in our home. Do unto others what you'd have them do unto you. Establish rules and guidelines for your house and then live by them. Require manners from your children. But first you must teach them proper manners and then practice them yourself. Please and thank you are a must. Yes, sir and no, ma'am are still admired. Teach them how to eat properly and with etiquette. Teach them to respect elders and adults and how to carry on pleasant conversation. Teach them the right thank you notes, a lost art. Teach them to cook, to clean, do laundry, work in the yard. Give them household chores and duties. 
Once uh, we, at different times of our lives, I've had cleaning services at our home, and one summer it just hit me. I've got cleaning services built in right here at my house. (laughs) And so I said, for the summer, girls, guess what? Y'all are the house cleaners this summer. They weren't too happy, but it worked out real good. And it taught them. I wanted them to learn hard work and learn how to do things right. Model for them the importance of giving back by getting involved in church and the community, like volunteering. So important. Show them how to be empathetic to the sick, down and out, animals, underprivileged. Explain how we've got to be grateful for our blessings. I remember as a teen going on missions trip to third world country and shook me to the core to see the poverty and the, the living conditions of some of these people, but yet they were so grateful and so thankful and felt blessed. And it changed me. And I wanted my girls to experience this. So missions trips has happened here at our church, and they've gone and they've seen it. We have it so good, and you don't know it. And we grumble and complain. And I, I want my kids to know how good they have it and to not take that for granted. It's not do as I say, it's do as I do in parenting. Children learn what they live. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If if a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. And if a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. And if a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. The third app I think there should be is how to pray with your children. How to pray for your children. You don't have to do everything right as a parent. But there's one thing you cannot afford to get wrong. And that one thing is prayer. You'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. Prayer is your highest privilege as a parent. There is nothing that you can do that will have a higher return on investment. In fact, the dividends are eternal. I pray for my children from head to toe, and I'll share with you how. Pray for their mind. Pray that your children would earnestly seek wisdom and understanding. The Bible says, above all, seek understanding. Pray for their eyes. Ask God to guard your children's eyes and protect their innocence. Pray that they would focus their attention on doing what's right. Pray for their ears. Pray that your children would be quick to hear and that they would incline their ears to listen to instruction. Pray for their mouth. Some kids need this more than others. Ask God to keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking lies. Pray that their words would be pleasing to him and edifying. Pray for their heart. Ask God to give your children a happy, cheerful heart and a tender heart toward God and that they would come to know him at an early age. Pray for their hands. Pray that they would be diligent in their work and that their hands would not be idle, but that God would bless, confirm, and establish the works of their hands. Pray for their legs. Pray that your children would not walk in step with the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners, but that they'd find wise and godly companions along life's journey. 
and pray for their feet. Ask God to direct their steps. Help them to stand fast and to protect them from stumbling. We must intercede for our children. So some things that I pray for my children and grandchildren are, I pray for the things that concern them. I pray for their obedience. I pray that when they sin, they'll get caught. I pray for protection from those who would hurt them. I pray for a heart that longs to know God and make him known. I pray that they would know their purpose in life. I pray that they would be delivered from any sin that might take them into bondage. I pray for their relationships, current and future. I pray for a spirit of love and forgiveness to grow in their hearts. And I pray that they would see all others through God's eyes with the heart of compassion. There are no guarantees in this life. I know godly men and women who've done everything right, and yet their children have chosen to walk in rebellion. And I know men and women who've never opened a Bible, and yet their kids somehow have become amazing godly adults. But we must remember all humans have free will, and they will exert their free will. But I truly believe that not a single prayer is wasted. It may be years even decades before those prayers see the full and intended effect, but God hears them all and holds them close. Number four, I think there should be an app for mothers about traditions. What is a tradition? Traditions are behaviors and actions that you engage in again and again, regular rituals that you perform at the same time and are in the same way. Traditions can be big or small, but they differ from routines and habits in that they're done with a specific purpose in mind and require thought and intentionality. Meg Cox, the author of the book of New Family Traditions, defines family ritual as any activity you purposefully repeat together as a family that includes heightened attentiveness and something extra that lifts it above the ordinary ruts. Traditions provide a source of of identity. Sometimes they tell a story about a family. Studies show that children who experience even the simple tradition of eating together as a family are less likely to smoke, drink, get into drugs, and other damaging behaviors. Additionally, 40% of children who eat supper together with the family do better in school. Kids thrive as a result of happy family traditions. Creating a family life that feels safe and provides stability is crucial to the well-being of our children. It's a comfort to them when they can count on special things we do together because that's our family tradition. This is a tradition that was practiced in my childhood. We had family dinner together nightly. We continued this in our home, and I'm a firm believer that this is very important. No electronics allowed. Just family, sharing their day, talking to each other. I can't tell you the fun we've had around our dinner table. Or the problems we've solved at our dinner table. Or the plans we've made at that table. If you're a young family just starting out, I highly recommend this tradition. If you haven't had this practice in your home and want to start, it's not too late. Make it a pleasant experience for your family. Cook a delicious meal. Set a pretty table and make it inviting to your family. This is not the time to bring up sensitive subjects or the time to correct bad behavior. Use this time to bond with your family and start a tradition. Currently, our family comes to our home every Sunday night. (sighs) I cook a good meal, or we order in, and we share our lives together. 
We like each other and enjoy each other's company. Yes, it's loud. And yes, it creates a mess. But I have all my chicks at my table, and I am one happy mama. Traditions strengthen the family bond. Researchers have consistently found that families that engage in frequent traditions report stronger connection and unity. When each of our children and grandchildren have a birthday, they get to choose their birthday menu and dessert at Bow and Sweet Pea's house. I love preparing the meal that they personally choose for their special day. Last month was Damon's birthday, and he wanted an old-fashioned homemade roast dinner with mashed potatoes, gravy, and all the trimmings. For his dessert, he asked for cream brulee. I have never made cream brulee, <laughs> but I assured him we would have it. It took me searching on the internet, watching some YouTube videos, but we did it, and he said it was perfect. Next week is Caden and Connor's birthday, and I've got to find out what their request is. Traditions offer comfort and security. Family traditions and rituals are the antidote to the harried feeling that comes from our fast-paced and ever-changing world. It's nice to have a few constants in your life. You can count on each Thanksgiving before we eat our meal Each person in the family, including the little ones, tell about one thing they're thankful for. We end up in tears, but they're warm and happy tears of gratefulness for all God has done for us. Traditions create lasting memories. In her book, Ask the Children, Ellen Gunlinski described a survey in which she asked children what they would remember most about their childhood. Most of the kids responded by talking about simple, everyday traditions like family dinners, holiday get-togethers, and bedtime stories. When I married into the Johnson family, they had a Christmas tradition that they did, and we've tried to keep it going. On Christmas Eve, my father-in-law and Rex and Eddie would try to be the first person to say the phrase, Christmas Eve gift, to each other, and that meant the other person had to buy them an extra gift. They got real creative in trying to be the first one to say it. One year, Rex's parents were driving to Austin to see us for Christmas. Damon had the great idea of putting the words Christmas Eve gift and garland real big on our garage doors. When they drove into the driveway, there were the words. But Granddad said it didn't count because Rex didn't say the words. (laughs) And lastly, I think there should be an app for mothers on having family fun. I asked a friend who had gotten back from a week away with her family, did you have a fun vacation? And she looked at me quizzically and said, fun? Relaxing time, but not really fun. I don't really have fun with my kids, do you? It was an honest question, but I didn't have to think about it. Yes, I do, I said. My girls have had their share of their moods and attitudes, and they get on each other's nerves like the next set of siblings. But yes, I do have fun with my girls. The conversation got me thinking. Do most parents have fun with their children? We, as parents, we teach our children table manners. We interrupt sibling squabbles. We pray with them. We help them with homework. But do we actually have fun with them? Do we enjoy our kids for who they are with their own quirks, sense of humor, and interests? I've discovered having fun with my kids and grandkids starts with me. Kids find enjoyment everywhere from laughing at silly jokes to playing silly games and singing silly songs. Play and fun come natural to children. Sometimes the silliness, to be honest, can be annoying. But it's me, the adult, who's lost the ability to be childlike. Having fun with my kids starts with my attitude. 
We try to take a family vacation every summer with the whole gang. We have a blast planning the trip, traveling to our destination. Invariably, the three amigos, our sons-in-laws, Damon, Brad, and Jaron, keep us in stitches. And with all 14 of us, there is never a dull moment. Between all of us cooking together, playing board games, golf, swimming, chasing kids, we just have fun. Right now, Windsor and Caroline are checking Cassidy's cell phone every day, looking at her countdown app to see how many more days there are until our family vacation. Two-year-old Caroline told me yesterday that there were 30, 11 more days. (laughs) You have to set aside time. We decided when our girls were at home, we needed to carve out space to just enjoy being with them, whether it's an evening during the week or a few hours on the weekend. No agenda, no rush having fun with your kids. And it doesn't have to be expensive or elaborate. Whatever your family loves, do it. And sometimes those unexpected surprises are extra fun. When our girls were younger, we invested in a boat and two sea-doos. Whenever we could find a few free hours, we'd love to go to the lake and water ski or tube with them. I remember one time on the spur of the moment, we showed up at their schools, took them out of school early, and spent the afternoon and evening at the lake having fun. Misty was so shocked to be summoned to the office in the middle of the day and was thrilled to be out of school on the lake. (laughs) Connections and friendships usually grow from a shared interest. Friends who love to read, watch movies, enjoy nature, appreciate good food, and love the arts are people I tend to have fun with. Of course, friendships grow deeper with time, but that's where they start. As a parent, we often forget to connect with our children in the same way we connect with our friends. We're so busy providing for them, taking them to soccer practice or piano lessons, we forget to relate to them as people. Sometimes having fun with our kids means reconnecting over shared interests. Is there a sport you both enjoy? Is there an artistic endeavor you can share in? Maybe a series of books that you like. A few years ago, the girls and I took a trip to New York City, very hot in August. All three of my girls are foodies and love to find eateries that they've heard of everywhere we go. This trip was no exception. Misty wanted to go to Hoboken, New Jersey, to see Cake Boss star Carlos's bakery. We did that, waited in a line that wrapped around several blocks to go into this tiny little bakery. Cassidy had a long list of places she wanted to go, and they were all dessert places. We ate more cupcakes and pastries on this trip than I've ever eaten. Caitlin wanted to eat at a restaurant she had heard of called Balthazar, for brunch. We took the subway to most of these places with Cassidy using her phone as our GPS. I think we were on our way to this restaurant that Caitlin wanted us to go to, and we were on the subway, Cassidy studying her phone closely, telling us when we needed to get off the subway to walk to our destination. If you've never been on a subway, you have to be ready to exit quickly when the doors open, especially if you're from Texas and subways are somewhat foreign to us. Cassidy announced that we needed to get off the next stop. We all got up, prepared to exit by the door. The doors opened. I stepped out. Misty stepped out. And all of a sudden, Cassidy goes, no, this is not our stop. (laughs) Misty was closest to the door, jumped back on the subway, and I tried and didn't make it. The doors shut. You have never seen such wide-eyed and scared three little girls as that train sped away. Here I was, left on the subway station platform, and there they went. They panicked, and I laughed. (laughs) There wasn't cell phone reception underground either, so we couldn't make connection. 
Make a long story short, we all found each other, and it ended well. We're all here today. (laughs) But we made a lifelong memory that we still laugh about to this day, and I'm sure we always will. Four things laughter does. Laughter connects. There are a lot of different personalities, likes, dislikes, moods, issues in one household. Laughter is the great connector. Whenever someone's suffering from a bad day or for whatever reason life has created a tense dynamic between parent and child or child to child or even parent to parent, a good laugh brings us all together as a solid family unit and restores energy. Laughter heals. No matter what your day may look like, there is nothing like a smile or a laugh to chase away all ailments. Laughter diffuses. Parenting means a lot of tough moments. We have the not-so-easy, not-so-fun, all-day, everyday job of disciplining our children, walking them through the rough learning lessons of life, be it the inevitably awkward sex talk or the poor decision that warrants a studied punishment, a sturdy punishment. A little bit of laughter can go a long way. In awkward moments, it can bring comfort and some much-needed relaxation to a tense environment. Laughter releases. It's important for our children to know that it's okay to be silly. The physical and emotional release is just letting go and allowing yourself to be absolutely ridiculously silly. That's extremely important. Releasing the pressure to perform and just kicking back and enjoy life is extremely healthy. Let them be kids. When our girls were younger, it seems every time the whole family got in a car, the girls would get tickled over something and start laughing. As the laughter got louder and longer, Rex would say, Girls, stop laughing. Then I would start laughing and say, would you rather they be fighting or crying? The outrageousness of his statement would send us all into laughter. To wrap this up today, I guess I need an app to hush and sit down. But I want to encourage all women here today, whether you are a natural birth mother, an adoptive mother, a stepmom, an aunt, a sister, a teacher, a mentor, a friend, a spiritual mother, you are special. I know Mother's Day is a dreaded emotional day for some women who may not have had children or may have lost a child or may not have have had a loving mother. But I pray you feel God close to you always, but especially today. On this day, we celebrate all women here. You are a beautiful woman of God that we love and appreciate for who you are. All of you are valuable to me, to this church, and to the kingdom of God. You have purpose. You have destiny. Go be the best woman of God you can be. There's got to be an app for that. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.